It's October. It's time for Compete Sports Diversity Podcast, a partnership with Visit Mesa. We are extremely excited to be here today. It's going to be a it's going to be a great uh, little uh, chat today. Lance, tell us what's going on. This is my good friend uh, Lance from uh, Visit Mesa. Yeah, we. This is one of those podcasts I'm excited about that we get so uh, involved in our events and, and all of our exciting guests. This will be an exciting one just to talk you and I, talk compete, talk visit Mesa. We have so much going on, and I'm excited to share. So some great things have happened. So we talk a lot about sports and the different events going on around the country. You know, a lot of events here in Mesa as well. The Cintas Corporation does a lot in sponsoring LGBTQ plus and different sports diversity events across the country, and they're a huge sponsor of the um, uh, International Pride Softball World Series, which we talked about in the last podcast, which was formerly the Naga Gay Softball World Series. So many things have changed in the last you know 15 or 20 years um, in in sports, um, and one of the things that's coming up that we're really excited about is one of the very first out MLB umpires is being honored by the Oregon State um, Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame. Wow! Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, he's going to be going with his husband, which is a big deal. Wow. Okay. Dale Scott, um, Oregon Sports Hall of Fame inductee for his work at, in the MLB. So um, that's, that's kind of big news. Seeing, seeing that come out in um, in professional sports or at any level, uh, you know, and, and not only empowering to an entire community, but empowering, like seeing women, um, you know, umpiring and, and refing professional games and being coaches and being trainers. And uh, it's just, it's so cool to see it normalize and become a, hey, someone had to be the first to make this normal and lay the groundwork, so it's exciting to see. And the fact they're gonna honor his coming out at the event too, they made a big deal about oh, that. That's so awesome. we're excited about that too. One of the things we have in common is we have, a good, we have good friends over at the Arizona Cardinals and they actually had Jen Welter as I think the first uh, female coach um, out, oh, wow. or not out, but first female coach uh, ever, I believe it was preseason. Um, and you know she just recently got a deal with Adidas to have some, some products out. So that's, that's really good to see that. That's yeah. awesome. Cor you know, corporations and companies are uh, starting to realize that they need, um, you know, total diverse um, advertising and, and inclusion in their brand. You know, so many times, so many brands were just like, hey, you know, we're building this brand for this demographic of person. You're like, okay, you're missing 90% of the rest of, you know, America or 50% of the rest of America that would 100% enjoy your brand if you made it more, you know, inclusive of uh, any other demographic. Well, you're speaking from a lot of experience. People that came before you, did they look at the um, the CVB or the sports tourism organization as a brand like you do now? I think our visionary was, it, all of that really came from our CEO, Mark Garcia, when he first got here uh, years back. But it was more so run as a, as a larger scale chamber. We like to say DMO, we're a destination marketing or organization, which that is how we run this business as a marketing organization. And we truly try to make sure everything that we go out to get, everything we host, everything that we you know scream from the mountaintops in the news um, via podcast online, it will all go back to benefit the community and the people who live here. So the more diverse, the more accessible uh, that we can make the city that people live in and enjoy every day, um, you know, visitors and, and locals alike can enjoy it. And that's a conscious decision to be more diverse, right? I mean, that wasn't like, oh, let's just add this on as a side, as a side part of our business. That's a conscious decision to say that we're open, not just to the LGBTQ community, but also communities of color, women, adaptive athletes, I think is just really, really something amazing. So it's, it's something you guys are doing consciously. It is. And, and I think the, you know, the original conscious effort came from, again, Mark, um, he has a child who's on the spectrum. So Visit Mesa being, you know, the first autism certified city in America, that stemmed from a very close place to him and his heart. Like how do you as a father and, and a traveler travel to other cities if you don't know that you're being prepared for, if you don't know that maybe the restaurants, the museums, the hotels are prepared for somebody, a child or you yourself who's on the spectrum. So that came from somewhere 
very close. And it we use that as a springboard on all these other initiatives like, hey, we hit the ground running on this. We put all of our efforts into this and look how it grew. And we're like, how do we take that into adaptive sports, into you know the DEI initiatives? And it, it needs to be an all-inclusive, all-encompassing, all-accessible city. And that's definitely what our, uh, what our goal is. And the investment you're making in that, in, in not just diversity, but in sports in general, because sports are important. Looking back when I was in high school and, and middle school, I didn't realize how valuable and important sports were. And then when you get into the real world, you realize, wow, being part of a team is such a, a, great, uh, a great thing and, not, and, and also being forced to be active. Um, yeah, seeing it as an athlete was obviously rewarding, but seeing it from a professional side now, you know, uh, last year and you'll, it'll, this will be, you know, open knowledge through our business development um, plan and, and our visitor guides. I mean, sports alone accounted for over 56 million in economic spend last year. And that was just trackable sports that we brought into the area. So, I mean, think about the amount of jobs that that supported and, um, you know, houses being built and restaurants and bars and like the, the, the development that goes in. You know, you always want what is it, the chicken before the egg, the cart before the horse. You need the supply for all the demand, but you need to prove your demand before you get the supply. So we've, we've proven that Mesa um, definitely has a demand on it. And it's now we're playing catch up, which is awesome to see all the development that's happening here. Well, that's amazing, and I want, and I do want, I want sports, more sports organizers to come see what Mesa has to offer because I think it's really incredible. You know, one of the one of the things that a lot of DMOs do is they want to bring people out, especially people that are really interested in coming to their city. And one of the things that we just did with the with the um, Buffalo Niagara Sports Commission was um, compete, sent some folks out for a fam tour. Can you kind of tell people what a fam what a fam is? Yeah, a fam stands for a familiarization tour. So basically, you know, a, a big difference between a site tour and a fam tour is. A site tour is like, you know, let's say you're uh, an event owner, you come out and you site exactly where that um, event that you're wanting to host is going to be located at. A fam tour, you get to eat where the locals eat, you get to drink where the locals drink, you get to see shows, you get to go to sporting events, you get to see, you take a time to familiarize yourself with an entire community and an entire destination. We get more excited about those. You know, I, I think, yes, a site tour, absolutely, you need to know the brass tacks, the logistics, is this site gonna work? Once you nail that down, a familiarization tour really lets you know what are your parents going to be doing when they're when their kids playing. What are the parents going to be doing? Or, you know, full grown athletes when they're not on the field, all of the economic spend and all of the money and the revenue being generated is going to be off of the field of play. We need to be able to build that experience for them. We get to do that with our you know our uh, beers and brews passports. We get to do that with our uh, custom itineraries. We need to fill their time that then goes back into the city from their spend. Um, so yeah, those are those those are very exciting for us to host. How many fams do you host a year? Do you think usually? Yeah, I personally uh, between eight and twelve. A oh year. wow, you're busy. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. And, and but typically, you know, with great partners uh, like Tempe, Gilbert, Chandler, um, Scottsdale, Phoenix, we all, we like to go at it from a from an advantage standpoint. Where hey, to help your budgets, to help our budgets, to help their budgets. How about we all go at this together? We hosted one last year between myself, um, Tempe. Um, uh, Columbus and uh, Virginia and, and in Richmond and you would think okay on paper that makes absolutely no sense that those you know random uh, destinations would all pool their funds and pool their resources to all come and fly out to one local destination and it all saved our money and our time and our efforts because we all got to split the cost of flying out 12 clients and we got to show them different parts of the city that then in turn would be like hey Let's have a sidebar conversation about Richmond. Let's have a sidebar conversation about you know Columbus. Let's have a sidebar conversation about Tempe that we got to explore for two days, two days in Mesa, and then they flew back. So 
those those are well, you get to be creative with those um which which you, then you know gives us more autonomy to be creative on the experience that we want to build for them and what i liked about that is that you included compete in that bam so we you did had, you, you had yeah. a lot of inclusiveness a lot of a lot of diversity in that and you know one of the things that, that we got out of the fam that you hosted was the meeting with, for example, pickleball was there, right? Yeah, USA pickleball. Yeah, and, and they and they admit they have had a tough time with 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 diversity, not necessarily with, within the organization, but the perception. Sure. Um, which is what a lot of destinations have a problem with as well. If there's a, a state law or there's you know laws, you know, uh, for a particular area, and so you know pickleball had you know they're they're they know they need to overcome some of that stigma in the past, and it's really worked out well. They really. They want. They just want to be open to everybody. They don't. You know. They don't need to make a big statement. They just want everyone to want to play, have a good time, and really enjoy the sport. And, you know, to your point, uh, that's that's from a that's from a sport organization standpoint. Uh, as a state, you know, um, uh, just over two years ago, Mesa passed its non-discrimination ordinance. Right. Well, my you know our CEO and I were talking, and we talked about okay, we passed that two years ago. What have we done with it? Have we was that a piece of paper that we wanted to sign and be in the news and be like, cool, look at us, we're, we're this. Okay, let's go after actual diverse things. And you know that spurred me to be like, hey, where can I find more diverse pieces of business and more diverse organizations, which led me to compete. And that then in turn brings back to Mesa, Lynn Lewis Foundation coming you know, in two weeks, uh, Arion uh, Herbert Mars uh, Sports Turf Wars coming in November. We have a bid out for the um, International Gay Rodeo Worlds that we're trying to get here out to our uh, our you know section of the world. So, it it's one of those things where, okay, we we, pa- we passed these things, we did these things as a state. Now, what do we do as a city to really truthfully stand behind it? Be like, this is what we're doing. We did it for a reason. I love what a lot of the cities are doing, and because they're all coming together, it's really important on a city level to see the changes you've all made. And that's why I'm so glad to welcome so many different events here to. Um, to Mesa with you and all of our all of our sports partners. So that's that's really that's really awesome. So yeah, we just love what you're doing, and you know I know that you'll continue to invite sports organizers out. You'll continue you'll continue to do fams, and you'll continue to really make a difference in all the work that you do in diversity. So I do want to just briefly talk about something that I think is really fun, and that because I really want to get your opinion on this. One is, what are you seeing with adaptive sports? Like, you know, I know we talked a little bit before, but I just love like the the wheelchair rugby and some of these other sports because those athletes are so brave and they're so amazing. And I know that you do a lot of work with some of those organizations. Um, how are those, how are those organi- organizations growing? Th- that was one community, you know, just a lot of, like a lot of underserved communities. Um, they spend the exact same amount of money as any traditional sport. They travel the exact same way. They just need, you know, th- they need to be prepared for. And it's one of those things that I sit on the board for Arizona Disabled Sports. And the reason that um, I, I advocated so strongly to sit on that board is because I wanted every athlete, every you know, a- adaptive or not, to have the exact same experiences and ability to play a sport that I did. Um, and you know, and I, I mentioned this on the, on the last podcast with, when we had Rhonda. When I was playing uh, professional basketball in, in France, I practice out of the same gym as one of the French national wheelchair basketball teams. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big, tall guy and, and they're like, okay, you know, you're, you're tall and you're athletic. Cool. Sit down and do that in a chair. And I've never felt more dumb and more humbled in a sport that I was there to be paid for until I did that and thought, holy crap, I don't know anything about this world of basketball that I thought I knew everything about. And, you know, that was 10, 12 years ago. From that moment, I was like, okay, there's a whole other side of sports that I did not account for. And which led me from, you know, from the adaptive sports that I put so much effort into because it's, it's close to me, it stuck with me. That was over a decade ago. 
um, you know, into uh, women's sports and into LGBTQ sports. And, and I just, it, it sort of springboarded into, okay, what else in sports does not have the exact same abilities to, you know, to have access to sport that I had, um, which, which is why we put so much effort into to all of it. So what I think is amazing about you and Mesa then is, I think the reason those sports are growing, the reason LGBTQ plus sports are growing, and the reason that uh, adaptive sports are growing is because you're taking the time to listen to what those particular athletes need. Yeah, um, and, and again, being close and being on the board of Arizona Disabled Sports, um, I have monthly calls with Move United, uh, which is one of the largest sanctioning bodies uh, for adaptive sports. And most of those calls, I sit with my camera on and my microphone off, and I just listen. You know, what is um, Sonomish Washington doing that we're not? What is Seattle doing that we're not? What is Oregon doing? Maybe what is Texas? What What is another part of the world? Where are they leaping, leaps and bounds ahead of us as far as accessibility? And we are trying so hard to be one of the most accessible cities in the world. And to do that, I, I'm, we're only good as, as what we know. So I, I need to arm myself with uh, what are what are, you know, adaptive athletes needing that I'm forgetting about or that I'm not even considering because I'm not a part of the community you know, that would be, you know, like everyday thought for them. One, one glaring example, transportation. Uh, another one is bathrooms. Everyone assumes when you have, you know, bathrooms and porta potties on site at a field, they're not fully accessible for, you know, a thousand wheelchair athletes. When you say that you have, you know, six fields to play on, one of those fields is going to be likely be for parking of their personal chairs, because then they have their athletic chairs. So you have to totally, yes, you need to shape it as a totally normal everyday quote-unquote traditional sport but then you need to take in other factors to make sure that those athletes are as comfortable um, as any athlete would be to play the sport that they love that's great that's 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 what i like to see is more opportunities more opportunities for people to be themselves uh, i'm going to ask you about a couple sports that i just think are so much fun and aren't um as uh, are growing quickly but aren't as popular as you know the big five sports um have you had any uh, spike ball tournaments here? Any round net tournaments? We haven't. We've had a couple bids out. Um, we just haven't, uh, to my knowledge, no, uh, hosted any here. So that that's a huge growing sport, right? Spike ball. Yeah, spike ball and tech ball were like some of the few that that came out of nowhere for me. And I feel like a few years back, you would have said that about pickleball, and look at it now. And you guys have some great pickleball. Uh, Incredible yeah. pickleball, and and I think Arizona, the state of Arizona in general, just thought like, hey, what's another outdoor thing that we can just you know make people enjoy our our. Um, our awesome weather. Well, our awesome weather eight months out of the year. Those four months you don't want to be outside playing. But so many, um, so many, you know, new um, buildings have been built to have it indoor as well. Chandler has a beautiful one. Tempe just opened a new one. We have um, a ton of outdoor space. We have a we have one location that has forty one pickleball uh, courts at one location, including a stadium court. And that's a very diverse sport. It has to be because it's for all ages. So I mean, just sometimes you don't think about age being a being uh, something that's about diversity. What about rugby? Is that something that you've had here before? Yeah, rugby, um, USA Rugby has been through here. We have a couple um, local Arizona rugby chapters that use our fields for practices and for games. Those are really, those are really cool events to um, partner with Parks and Rec and say, hey, this is not your traditional field layout. We need to think about the lines differently. We need to think about, oh, you think you have you know, a football field? That's gonna be one rugby field. You need to think about that, so your spaces change. Um, yeah, rugby, rugby is just a, a brutally awesome sport to watch and host. 
Are there any other emerging sports? Like lacrosse is big around the country. I don't know if lacrosse is big here. Um, lacrosse they, started to make its way out here. I, you know, I went to college in Colorado and um, it was uh, very much so an East Coast sport that we hadn't heard much of. And the minute that we, you know, gutted our soccer fields at this at the college that I was at and then put a net around it and totally refinished it. And I was like, oh, what, why, what do you need to put an entire enclosed net around a soccer field for? It was for lacrosse. We added a lacrosse program. And ever since then, I, you know, we host probably five or six lacrosse events a year out here um, in Mesa alone. So it, it's definitely a growing sport. Um, it's not as niche as it used to be. Uh, it's, it's, you know, a sport that any kid now can pick up and play. And that's one. Th and that's one thing that's really important with all the work that we're doing is, is we want every person that wants to play sports to be able to play. So everyone has to have a different thing they want to play, a different sport they like, whether it's spike ball or baseball or football. So that's really great that Mesa is doing such a great job, and all the, and all this all the cities in Arizona, like you said before, that work together are doing such such a great job. Um, so I think now people have a better understanding of what a, what a DOMO is, all the work you do, and really what you're trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, again, Mace is a, a groundbreaker. Uh, we work with so many different DMOs. So you guys are doing a really great job being innovative. You know, there's some great events coming up here in Mesa and coming up across the country, lots of different events. So you have the uh, Turf Wars group coming through Legacy Park on November 17th through the 19th. Yeah, um, Arion Herbert is, is a mastermind when it comes to building his events. Um, what he's been able to do this year and years prior um, is just really laid a, a great groundwork to you know an amazing organization the turf wars last war will be here november 17th through the 19th at uh, legacy sports park uh, that one i mean i was sitting there watching uh, march madness in march um, watching college basketball at the highest stage and all of a sudden they stop college basketball and they play a commercial who is it it's turf wars um, during march madness during the busiest time of the year on espn and i you know i called arian i said arian what what did you have to do to get kickball of all sports and an organization like this on during the busiest time of the year on ESPN and that's kind of when it hit me I was like okay this this is this is going places and uh, he has done all of the work um, it, he's he's impressive he's amazing you know and and he's already talking about how can he come back to Mesa like what what's their next step so it's those partnerships that we're all building together that's so important. Uh, the one-offs are great if that's if that's what you need to do to help somebody, but also if you can build a partnership and a long-term relationship, that's even better. Speaking of um, NCAA, are you guys focused on uh, doing anything for the um, March Madness next year here in Mesa? Are you part of that? Yeah, the Final Four um, is sort of the same token that we were a part of the Super Bowl. Um, we'll do a lot of the ancillary events around it, um, help with the hotel and vendor side of it, but uh, it's all the way out there in Glendale, so it's um, we'll probably get a lot of the compression from the event pushing things out. Um, but yeah, we're definitely we're definitely here to support it. And that'll be the first week of April, though, right? Because the time it gets here, so they call it March Madness, but really it should be April yeah, insanity or something. Right. But but luckily though, that's right after the the craziness with spring training, and then it gets us right back into a busy season when traditionally it wouldn't have been. Oh, perfect. And then we're we're, we're all going to be at the Sin City Classic. It's the world's largest annual LGBTQ plus sports diversity tournament tournament in the world. It's going to be in Las Vegas, January. Um, 11th through the 14th and uh, I think Visit Mesa is going to participate with us in that. Absolutely. I will be there. That's going to be a really really good time. We're all looking forward to that. Um, and I, so I guess in closing that you want to check out the Mesa podcast and I'm going to let you call, say the name of it so I don't mess it up. <laughs> it's For the Love of Mesa. For the Love of Mesa. That's at visitmesa.com You can always check out Compete at CompeteNetwork.com So great. So I hope everyone checks out our website, checks out Compete, checks out Visit Mesa, checks out all of our partners and go out there and make sports more diverse. Absolutely. So happy to be here. We'll see you next time.